hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to Open Mic with me, Mike Creed. As always, one day somebody's gonna do Open Mic for me and you're gonna be like, oh shit, thank God they introduced themselves. But right now, you're just gonna roll your eyes and wonder why I'm introducing myself. Up on the podcast today, Dan Worry. I'm a big fan of Mr. Worry. I think he is a funny, funny gentleman. I think he's a bit the Rob Delaney of Twitter for cycling. Rob Delaney is the Rob Delaney of Twitter. Uh, Dan Worry is cycling's uh, Rob Delaney. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. If you don't know who Rob Delaney is, you should go check him out. Uh, he's a hilarious gentleman. Um, so anyway, I was doing a little bit of a road trip uh, for the team for Smart Stop. Swung through uh, Dan's um, house. I didn't say his house. We anyway, we went out to eat, and I'm gonna have. To, I didn't have the balls to admit this, but Dan said this is one of the better places in in Columbia, South Carolina. So I'm gonna say this: Don't ever go to Columbia, South Carolina for food. It was um, it was all right. Like as funny as Dan is, uh, don't ever. Uh, take a food recommendation from him. Uh, today, the podcast, as always, sponsored by Carlos Cyclist. They wanted me to let you know that for every $5 you spend through to the new year, for every $50 you spend, you get $5 back. So I'm not very good at math, but I think that works out to be like a 45% kickback. Uh, let me check my numbers. Yeah, 45%. So you get 45% off. Um, don't quote me on that, but it's 45%. Or it's 10. But you get a... Uh, so for every 50, you get five back. It goes through the holidays, buy yourself something nice. Everybody gets to high-five each other and you get a hug. Um, also, a little bit of a side project I had with Incendiary Tees. It's a stupid little thing I do. You can look at incendiarytees.tumblr and you, you, I made some funny little shirts uh, with Sagan and Vodders on it and buy them. Uh, I'm not going to do anything good with the money. Just going to spend it. And, um, you know, so if, if you want to feel like, if you feel like you want to give me money, buy this shirt. And then you'll be giving me money. And I could spend your money frivolously on fedoras, uh, velvet bow ties, and maybe uh, a minx coat. So, uh, what else? What else? I feel like I had any, something else to tell you guys, but I guess not. I guess we just get to Dan here. I mean, we had a really good conversation. Uh, he's a really smart uh, guy. He ends up asking me a lot of questions, which seems to be the thing to do. But... Um, you know, I, I think we had a good discussion, and I'm finding more and more that journalists are uh, my my favorite people to talk to. Okay, let's talk. Let's go back. Can you crack the fucking window open, man? You know, it's proven that secondhand smoke is uh, causing the you know, cancer rate. Hey, look at that, Twin Cities. It's the IDS building, the big glass one. Tall skyscraper in the Midwest after the uh, Sears and uh, Chicago or John Hancock building, whatever. You ever been to Minneapolis? Nope. Would it kill you to say something? I did. No. It's the first thing you've said in the last four hours. That's a, that's a fountain of conversation, man. That's a geyser. I mean, whoa, Teddy, stand back, man. Shit. I'm sitting here driving, doing all the driving, man, whole fucking way from Brainerd, driving, just trying to chat, you know, keep our spirits up, fight the boredom of the road. You can't say one fucking thing just in the way of conversation. Oh, fuck it, I don't have to talk either, man. See how you like it. Total fucking silence. 
Two could play at that game, smart guy. We'll just see how you like it. Full of silence. Like on Tuesdays, trying to get people to call in and be weird. I like it. I dug the uh, the prank calls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much those guys enjoyed it, but I don't know. Did you get a response to those? No, I think they. I feel like I'm eventually gonna exhaust all my friendships by <laughs> by doing it. I'll eventually like start calling bike shops and asking for weird things, and I don't know. Um, so when did you get in? All right, so like you kind of, at least in my mind, kind of came out of like nowhere a little bit. Like you started riding, and then Bellinus picked you up. But like your riding was, were you always riding or? Was I always writing? Yeah, writing. Or, or writing? Writing. Writing. I have, I have always... Um, I've got a, a degree in journalism, so... Yeah. Um, early on, I've, I've, I've done writing here and there, but nothing nothing nearly as formal as this uh, as this Bella News game. What made you even start writing about cycling? Like, you know, it, it, it stemmed from Twitter. It... Um, because you do have really good, like, you you are you have good 140 character Twitter jokes. It's a very like unique skill to have. Yeah, that's where it, that's where it really all started. I didn't even know the know the Velo guys until you know that Neil started following me and retweeting me, and it just sort of stemmed from there. I think I thanked him one day for uh, for retweeting as many of the tweets as I had, and he. Um, yeah. Said, hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll write something for you someday. Did you know him personally before this? Yep. No, never spoken to him. Do you know many people in the cycling community before this? Um, not a, not a ton. Not at that point. This must seem like really surreal then. It is. I've, I've launched launched right in. What do your wife think about this? No, oh, she digs it. Does she? Yeah, she's she's fine. She just rolls her eyes, <laughs> as as with all things cycling. <laughs> But did it like you kind of like validate your hobby now? You're like, well, honey, I'm pulling in a little side money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it helps. It, it pays for the uh, for the addiction. Yeah, definitely. What do you like about it? What drew, what drew you into? Uh, I guess getting even this close into cycling. I've been a fan for years. I mean, I remember as a kid watching. You know, not not following it super close, but I mean, I really distinctly remember watching like the um, the CBS, uh, you know, the John Tesh kind of yeah, recaps yeah, on yeah. Sunday, and you know, following the you know story of Greg LeMond and that sort of. Yeah. So I've been definitely aware of cycling for a good long time, and and I've always had kind of an interest in it, but definitely 
definitely heated up when uh, you know with, with the lamps the Lance stuff as he you know cycling became so much more popular in the US. Is that what? So you were saying you weren't always a, like a, riding a bike, you or you weren't like well, necessarily not, not, not seriously. I actually followed the sport more than I yeah. was a participant. In when did for, you decide to be time. a participant? Like was what year was that? Oh gosh, I don't know. It's been six, eight years. Not yeah, a while. But I mean, it was after a. I've written about this too. It was after a long kind of. You know, I rode as a kid and yeah. I had a bike up through the time I was a teenager, and then went off to college and worked, and you know, didn't ride for a long time, and have picked it back up mostly through just the love of the of the sport. Yeah. So. Do you love it as much? Do you love looking at it as much as you do riding? Or because I mean, we message quite often. Yeah. You're often going out for a one hour hour of power. Yeah. Yeah, I go out. A, I go out. You know, several days a week. Yeah. Um, I do, but I, I like watching it too. I mean, I like I like following it. I like reading about it. I like uh, writing about it. Yeah. Know, what, uh, do you like that? For me, I always like the personalities. You know, like before oh, yeah. when before this is where we sound like old men. We sound like before old. the internet. Yeah. You know, you had to get that random like cycling weekly that every once in a while like a Barnes and Noble would have. Oh yeah. And you would just from like these little clips you know they never really had the in-depth profile pieces right. but you would you'd make a Just whole back pick character. up what little you little you can out of yeah. it yeah that's but i mean i've been reading that's what one of the things that's so cool about writing for for bella is i've been reading that magazine for you know yeah long long time yeah. and then the history that that magazine has too is so you know, it's been 40 plus years now so to yeah and you have a pretty good corner on the at the back section yeah it's a great i mean to so There's a lot of people have written for that. It is, yeah. I mean, to to be added in, you know, Maynard Hershon, I think, was the first person yeah. that I knew about kind of following, you know, writing that page. So and he did it for, for years. So it's been very... Do you know what Maynard's really up cool. to now? He's um, on Facebook friends yeah. with, with Maynard. We've messaged a little bit. Um, he's somewhere in Denver, I think. Okay. But I'm not I'm not real clear on what yeah. he's doing. Maynard, hit us up. <laughs> I did a one year when I was under 23. Pat McCarty and I went to Tucson to a friend's house, and we we decided we drunkenly one night right. we decided that we were going to uh, hike out to this this local climb, right. and uh, we were going to camp with us. Never mind that this climb was like 25 miles away, but we we. We were sure we could make it by the morning, and uh, sure enough, we couldn't. And we ended up falling, like passing out, uh, maybe ten miles outside town, mm -hmm. and where the local weekend group ride refills. And uh, so we slept. I, I realized I was there. I was like, "Oh, I know this place." And uh, we pass out. We wake up, and there's um, the group ride is there. Hmm. And Pat McCarty and I are like. Now you were hiking or you had you were riding? We were hiking. Okay. But I mean, I was pretty well known in the area at the time. Right, right. I was on a professional team. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny, so I waited for everybody to go inside. But, you know, with my hat down and lots of dirt on me and whatever, I go and I grab Maynard's bike and I start like picking it up and like acting like I'm really impressed with it. And Maynard came running out and he's just like, Can I help you? Can I help you with something? I'm like, oh, this bike is really light. This bike is lighter than my gun. Just, he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a real nice bike. And then finally just kind of looked at him long enough. He's just like, oh, Mike, I thought you were street people. <laughs> <laughs> so he was worried about you touching his bike. Well, I was like, I kind of am. But... <laughs> so I read your, um, the latest, uh, it might not be the latest, the last one I read yeah. of the At The Back was... Um, the one about skepticism. Yeah. That was a really, really well-written piece, man. Uh, in a place... And not to, like... this is this, I realize this might sound weird, but... Right. In a place where you kind of came to prominence on Twitter, it's also 
renowned for being yeah, it's a nasty place. A nasty place. It's so much easier to be nasty than to be genuine yeah. and open. You know, like it's to have an honest feeling. Like you don't want to put your honest feeling out there because then somebody's gonna attack it. Right. Whereas if you just put up the shell first. That's the that's the beautiful thing about the magazine is that okay. uh, there's there's no comments. Yeah. So. Great. You welcome. Thank you very much. Dig in, buddy. So yeah, it's. I mean, it, it lacks that kind of immediacy of of Twitter, and you know, it's a little little more you can say with uh, more than 140 characters or whatever. We it's a different crowd, right? Oh, I think it is. I think the crowd that reads that isn't the hateful crowd. Like I've noticed that a lot on Twitter with uh, the podcast is how. When when I first started it, I was telling Leslie that. Yeah, most people are not going to like it, and that's fine. Five people listen to it, I'm fine with that. I'll just find those five people who get it and whatever. But I am still blown away that of, you know, the 19 or 20 episodes I've done now, I've gotten maybe one or two passive-aggressive, you know, clips from guys with four followers. And you look at their timeline it's all nasty stuff it's not like genuine feeling genuine feeling you know opening up occasional opening up, nasty. An occasional nastiness yeah. that would really hurt your feelings you just see the guy's just a complete douche from just a douche you're like oh every day yeah yeah but you know a lot of the a lot of those voices on twitter were right you know i mean i following that over over years and seeing some of the negativity and some of the accusations there i mean i think uh, Sure. Some of those people definitely drove the drove the conversation and you know turned out to be speaking the truth. Well, I don't think those anybody ever doubted those voices. Yeah. I think it's the veracity and and the this the the nastiness in which uh, you can know something. Yeah. But you don't have to be a you're not supposed to use um Honesty as a weapon, right? You know, it's supposed to be a cornerstone, and a, and a, I don't know. I sound like a, like Confucius with a stroke right now. Well, that column was kind of born out of frustration, though, with Twitter. You know, yeah. like, you know, it's and it's a it's a tough. Um, yeah, you know, I'd be curious to know your thoughts about it as somebody you know connected in a competitive sense, but the. Yeah, it's, it's hard to it's hard to draw that line now because it's you know fans are right to be skeptical and I, you know I mean I was writing in that and you know that I don't know if you saw the documentary that I referenced in there but NBC Sports ran a, a great I think it was a French documentary I'm not exactly sure the origin I don't think NBC actually produced it but it was a great just before the tour this year because you know it was the hundredth anniversary sure. of the tour. So they ran this great documentary that, I mean, just the footage was awesome to see this, you know, really old-timey, you know, from some of the really early days of the tour. But, you know, the, the theme that went all the way through that documentary was, you know, doping isn't something that happened, you know, that started with Festina or Puerto. I mean, it's something that's been going on for a hundred years. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I don't expect people to just be assume everybody's clean. I don't expect that either, but I kind of see it as this long-scale opera. Like, I just see it as, like, you have hunches and you have things, but, like, it's almost funny because the thing that started taking me out of the sport with my back injury was also maybe the thing that kept me from getting a federal subpoena, too, you know? Because, I mean, that wasn't even an option. That wasn't even on the table, you know, because I was so... I couldn't ride my bike that second year I was on the team. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I, uh... You read all the stories, and you just kind of... Like, when I was on Rock, you know, like, you see these guys up close. And I think that's maybe why I'm not necessarily mad at them, because you see these guys up close, and you just kind of see that they're pretty sad. Actually, people... Yeah, and like most of the cases, they're not doing good, you right. know? Right. That had to have been crazy for you, though, to, I mean, at the, at the height of all of that hysteria when the tour wins, I mean, to 
Yeah. To be a young rider and to be asked to ride for Discovery at that point, and was that crazy? Oh yeah, man. I went from not even having a job. I didn't even have a job. Like all these teams were folding. It was a really bad year for cycling. Yeah, drinks are coming. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And um, my best offer that year. Um, I had nothing, right? I had nothing, nothing, nothing. Sure. And then my best offer was from HealthNet. And the owner was really rude and really crass with me. And he offered me $8,000 and maybe a bike. And he, he said, he just was like very brash, like, oh, I'm probably not going to race you. You, etc., etc. And I just remember thinking, like, this is horrible. So I moved to Silver City, New Mexico. I broke up with my girlfriend, emptied out my bank account in cash, rented a mobile home, and thought, well, I'm going to train really hard for the next couple months. Right. And if I get on a team, then I'm going to be ready to go. And if I don't, then I'm going to be some kind of weird. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Be some kind of weird mountain guy in Silver City, New Mexico. So where'd the, where'd the so call come from? I just got an email from you, Hunter Neal, one day. And you're just like, no, this is my friend messing with me. Because, like, his email is, like, the most basic email in the world. It's the most uncreative. Oh, there's no way this is a real email. Like a, it's like Johan at Johan.com, right? Isn't it? Or something like that? Not far off. No. Maybe missing the last letter. Yeah. Or last name. And, uh... Yeah, so then you go from, like, not having a job to writing for U.S. Postal. does Word. not make sense, you know? Uh, How do you look back on that time now? Oh, man. I was so embarrassed. I, mean, I, I didn't know what I didn't know, man. I was just uh, a really young, really cocky. I knew a lot of things, that's for sure. Yeah. Someone's phone was rude they ran. Um, yeah, but, uh, it was, it was, uh, I don't know, I do remember getting, like, the first team photo. Mm -hmm. And like thinking like, well, that's pretty cool because like now I have a photo of me with like all these guys. Right. I'm on the team and like, I mean, I didn't really foresee the internet and, and Twitter, but I was like, oh, this is great. When I have kids later, I'll be able to lie. I'll be able to point to this poster and just make up the most. <laughs> At least I'll be able to like, I'll be able to embellish my my role on this at the very least. Right. Turns out that ended up being about the very least. <laughs> I mean, I got renewed the, for second year, so that was kind of like a confirmation, right? Right. But then I got sick and back, etc. Womp womp womp. But were you were you pressured or oh, was no, that no. limited really to the the tour squad? Yeah, and I think I just didn't show enough promise. I think to even really approach that situation, you didn't merit the investment. To right, exactly. <laughs> Not worth, no, not worth the risk. <laughs> but your dope is wasted on me. Yeah, but I would never like. I wouldn't. I think that's why I personalize it because I know those guys. Yeah, I don't think they're bad guys. I mean, you gotta like realize when you were in Girona at that time, there was no such thing as like a federal investigation. <laughs> oh, right. Like that's, you lived in a bubble over there, you know. Right. Like it was just what was happening. Nobody was getting caught. Right. But yeah. What did you think about it? Like when you were seeing it from the outside, like. I mean, obviously, you probably had friends and colleagues who knew that you were in it, and they would ask you questions. And, yeah. I think up to a point I was probably 
kind of blissfully unaware as a as a fan up to a certain point, and then you know, the the more you get, the more knowledgeable you come, you become. The more you know, it's hard hard not to watch all of that stuff happen and uh, start not to wonder. Right. Yeah. When uh, you know, when Ulrich and Basso, and you know you. You turn on uh, Outdoor Life Network or whatever it was back then, and yeah. the morning of the tour, and expect uh, expect the big showdown, and find out that uh, half of the favorites aren't even going to be there. I can only imagine how, what that must have felt like just within the team, yeah. and how chaotic and. Uh, um. I guess I wonder too if the um, I've said it a couple times, but I, w- I wonder if the um, the skull drudgery and uh, the behind the scenes nature of it. I wonder if that's more exciting than the actual bike racing. You know, in some ways, it might be. You know, definitely supplements. Uh... Like, how many people can name? How many people like listening to this podcast can name ten winners of of uh, Milan San Remo? How many people can listen uh, list ten people who have been under some kind of uh, anti investigation? Yeah, yeah. Investigation. Yeah, you're right. Get it? There's more races than at the dope investigation, but I think that kind of name who won all the classics this year. Right. Who won the monuments? Yeah, and then name some guy who tested positive seven years ago. You're gonna remember that. I think. And I, for me, I kind of like. That, that's what bums me out. Is that I think as soon as you. Because, like, when I was a rider, like, I would, uh, I always thought that I could do it, right? Like, I always thought, like, no matter what the result was, I figured, like, okay, if I train this much harder, if I have the right day, I can get that result. Right. And I had to believe that. Foolishly or not, I had to believe that. So then I would keep going. I had to believe that was attainable. Right. And I think that, that part of me still exists, where you see that result, and you think, oh... I want that to be an attainable result because I want to be that good. Do you like? Did it frustrate you at the time, though? Then to be, I mean, you're riding up against these guys that you probably at least have some indication at the time are doped up. I don't know. I, I, I would think I was just too green. I think I was just too young. I thought that yeah. I would see some pretty crazy stuff. But I remember one of the craziest things was um, at the world champ, the junior world championships in '98 in Verona. Mm-hmm. I broke away with um, this guy Christoph Kern. I don't think he races anymore. And uh, we got into a lap to go and this Russian kid and Damiano Conego bridged up to us mm-hmm. and uh, we dropped Kern and we hit the climb and we're thinking like oh my gosh like if I just hold this wheel I'm going to get a medal at the world championships that's all I got to do just don't get dropped right. and uh, the Russian guy was sat in pace and I was just looking at Conego's cluster and we're going up this climb I mean, I'm not sprinting, but it's pretty damn near close. And I saw the, like the cog set drop from. Mm-hmm. They say he was in the 19, and he dropped yeah. to like the 13. And the motorbike couldn't get away fast enough. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, I remember doing a double take in the race. Like, the, he is literally going as fast, if not faster, than a motorcycle. Right. And I think that was like the one time where I was like. I don't know, dude. I don't know if I would be that good. But that's really the only time in my career I felt like that. Where it's like, nothing will make me as good as that. 
Did no. you did you chalk it up though at the time to good or or that they were doing things you weren't? I chalked it up just they were doing some things because there was already like some rumors that they had like been found out with a really high amount or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I had a good friend in Pate. Pate was pretty militant about yeah. it. And, um, still is. Yeah, I saw him ranting on Twitter today a little bit about it. But, but I don't know. He's, uh, just like you said, it's easy to. I think it's important to have an emotion that doesn't fit in 140 characters. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know about your, uh, your new your new gig. You know, one of the things that I've thought have been kind of most interesting about this podcast so far has been I, I don't think you know, I think I think a lot of American cycling fans, probably cycling fans worldwide, I mean unless unless they're really in the know, I'm not sure people have a great feel for just what the real life is is like. I mean I think they think of the Tour de France, and they, you know, they, particularly Americans, and it's been interesting to me even to hear the conversations that you've had, particularly about domestic racing, about now that you're working as a as a DS, and it just how hard the the life of a domestic cyclist is, and how little money there is, and how much it's crashing on people's floors, and you know, just the how how hard that life is. It's um, it's hard because it is like okay, you're not in the real world. That's why most people do it. Right. It's uh, I don't have the obligations you do. I mean, you pick me up at what like seven o'clock ish, and you just got out of work. You're still wearing your tie. Like you, you had a long day. Like that's that's not something I have. And I think that, and I think that's not something that it's nice, right? That and it, I think you can you can learn how to be poor, you know, like you can learn how to not have a lot of money, especially if you have somebody in your life that's willing to help you. If you have a a wife or a girlfriend or a family, but there is this 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 point where all of a sudden I jump to the other side of the, the fence, you know. And I I was lucky. I came from a good pedigree. I came from good teams. I was. Under Jonas at Optimum, I was getting paid fine. I was getting paid well. Like there wasn't, there was no cry for me phase of it. I just, I guess, I just forgot like what it was for like some other guys who were coming in and I'm offering them contracts for less than ten thousand dollars. Right, and it's just, I, I would never. It, I, I even have a hard time saying the numbers sometimes. Right. Because you're just like, like you do everything in the world to warn them. Right. They're like, look, dude, I have basically no money. Like, I don't have much of anything. And they're like, okay, well, how much? And you're like, dude, it's not a lot. Like, you, 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 <laughs> preface, it, you preface it like seven or eight times. Are they surprised when they when they ultimately hear the the actual number? No, I think they knew, they but they were hoping, and then. The thing that hurts is when they ask for just a little bit more. Yeah. They say, like, yeah. well, can I get like just like two thousand more? And you're like, no, dude, I, I can't. I can't. That's why I want to start this like stipend fund thing. I agree to get that out. I think that's a cool idea. I mean, it'd be pretty easy, right? Like, you start a. I mean, I'll just put my own skin in the game just to get it started. You put a couple K in, mm-hmm. you allot a certain amount for that month, and you just have people apply. Men, women, right. maybe say under a certain age, right. making under a certain amount, and we, we give them $20, $30 a day. It'd be nice to be able to hand somebody 100 bucks right before yeah. the start of the race. Well, you know, you mentioned that women's racing, I mean, so so many of them are they're not making anything. And by not anything, I don't mean $10,000. I mean, they're making literally nothing. Yeah. You know, they get a bike and a jersey. So that's what cracks me up is when, when they say, like, 
oh, there should be a minimum in women's racing. And right. I was just like, okay, you can do that, but then there just won't be any women's teams. So, like, doing okay? Oh, great, thanks. It, I mean, it's already hard enough for them. The last thing you want to do is put up another barrier. Right. I mean, I, I get the idea that it would jumpstart a, a sense of professionalism and equality, but something else needs to happen first. We were talking, uh, we're talking to Mara Abbott not long ago. I forget the exact figure, but it's like, you know, I mean, here she won the won the women's Euro. Yeah. You know, and, and the the first place is was like eight hundred bucks or something. I mean, it's not even enough to buy a an entry level road bike. To win the you know the biggest yeah. event in the in the women's sport, I mean, it's it just crazy. Pay for your plane ticket over, right? No, that's why it always cracks me up when um, I mean they would never say it publicly, but there are certain there are men who say like, "Wow, they shouldn't get the same amount of prize money as we do because we race farther or we have more competitors," or and you're like, oh, "Okay." How much are we racing for to win? They're like two thousand dollars. You're just like, well, one, you're not gonna win, right. so don't you worry about the prize money. Right. Two, the difference is a thousand dollars. Like, I, why don't we just like as a group just pull it, just so we don't have to fucking be perceived as something we don't want to be. Yeah. Okay, we might be that people. Like, obviously, this guy I'm talking to is, but like. You know, just for the sake of good PR, like, because nobody races for prize money. Like, I mean, a very small number do. Like, some twenty-year-olds who are sleeping in their cars do this. By and large, like, if you're a professional cyclist, you better not be racing for prize money because you're you've lived the wrong, you've gone down the wrong road. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what. I mean, it's just bad all over. Like, it's bad in men's cycling, and then women's cycling's always a step or two behind. I can't imagine what that would take to that leap of faith. Be like, okay, I'm gonna be a woman's professional cyclist. How hard was it for you to. I mean, it had to have been hard to. Uh, I know you're back, you know, probably as a. Being in pain probably makes it easier, but it had to have been hard to step out of the sport as a racer. Yeah, yeah, no, it was... I've been wanting to do it for a couple years and just hoping my back... Because, like, when my back is good, like... Not to sound like a douche, but bike racing is really not that hard for me. Like, uh, tour California, not this last one, but the one before. Mm-hmm. Like, I finished inside the top 20. Right. I mean, I was making front groups with, it's like the only guy in the front group who hasn't won a Grand Tour stage, you know? Right. And I was, I'd hardly trained for it. I was like 10 pounds heavier than the next guy, and I was doing it all off of just talent. And it's, those moments you would think are really elative, but they're actually really depressing because I know that I can't keep my back in line. No. And it's almost like I almost want to cry in those moments because, like, I'm dropping yeah, even basso, and and yet you got this back that I can't count on for tomorrow. Capital, yeah. You're like, well, this could probably just go away tomorrow, so don't get used to this. You know, kind of that that kind of shit. Had you been had you been thinking about being a DS? Um, was, this, was this in the plans or this? Yeah, I was hoping to do it eventually with like Optum. Mm-hmm. But you know, they got Jonas's great director, Wolberg's sure. great director. There's just not room. But um, yeah, I don't know what else I thought I was gonna do. I just knew I had to stop. Because yeah. I was just letting the team down. I was getting more and more depressed. I was getting really bad. It was like it was more stress than it's worth. You know, yeah. like bike racing. Not about that. And has this been has this been stressful? Just stressful in a different way? Yeah, it's just like low level stress. It's just this continuous because you work all day and you when you're done you can't tell anybody what you've actually done. Right. Like I, I was busy. You don't have a result at the end I of the don't, day. I can't point to any one thing. I, I just <laughs> I uh 
I have to find something. I have to find something to get like the positive reinforcement. I think I've just settled on like seeing how many guys I can get on the bigger teams next year. I think that'll be my thing. Like, if I can get the biggest turnover possible for the right reasons. <laughs> but that's a that's an admirable. But I mean, I don't. I, yeah, I wouldn't know yeah. what else to. Because I'm. I don't. I'm already paying these guys so little. The last thing I would want them is to try to bring them back. You know, like. Oh yeah, it's great. You won two stages of Redlands and blah blah. Like next year, I can pay you twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> no, no, no! Don't go looking anywhere else. This is where it's at. Twelve thousand dollars, my friend. Yeah. Do you? What? I have a question. So you're s- more or less in the media now in cycling. Mm-hmm. Where do you? Do you ever see the media getting away from the Lance well at all? Do you think there's a day where we can wake up and not yeah. have to see another slightly different angle on it? I hope so. You know? I mean, I think it's a, it was such a huge, such a huge story. I mean, the truth of the matter is, other than you know some, you know. Tiny handful, you know. Maybe they, maybe they are the people who who listen to podcasts about cycling. But you know, I mean, to the vast majority of people in the United States, I mean, Lance was, you know, the the entryway to yeah to cycling. So it's a you know, it's a huge, huge story and an international story and a one that I think is compounded by all of the the cancer and all of that stuff. But eventually, we're gonna, you know. We're gonna have to move. Think we'll just find somebody else to write the same story about. Well, you know that gets back to that whole column about the, you know, having, having some faith. You know, if you're, that's what I was saying in that column is perfectly fair game to be skeptical and to have questions and. But if we, you know, if we're immediately to the place where anyone who wins a bike race, we're going to leap to the assumption that they're they're cheating to win it, then you know, I don't know why we why we bother paying attention to the sport in the first place. Right. Um, well, I think it's not to harp on the Twitter, but I think it's I think when you have like a genuine opinion, it's hard just to have like a, like a. Like opinion that isn't inflammatory or mean, because then people can attack it and you have to defend it. Whereas if you're just like being mean, you can't really attack it. It's just um, just being mean, and you think you're being snarky or funny. Or it's more of a race to be like who could be the biggest skeptic. Yeah. Oh. And there's you know there's plenty of history to support. Uh, you, chances are good in some cases, I guess, in this sport that you might be right by. By being a skeptic, but but there's also ways to be like a human being about it. No, yeah. huh. I just don't. I just don't know how we get away from it. Is if it's such a big like uh, click generator, you know? Yeah. That if you just put like, I was talking to Neil Rogers about it, and he's saying yeah. like, you know, you could just put like Cavendish diarrhea doping as a headline, and it's gonna get. You know, a lot more clicks than uh, a race about like, even the age, special age, let alone an, an NRC race, let alone women's racing. So, as a journalist, where do your allegiances lie? Do your allegiances lie to knowing what a good story is in your heart, or I shouldn't say in your heart, that's a pretty yeah. profound statement, but not in your heart, but knowing that, like, uh, you're going for low-hanging fruit at a certain point? That's a great question. I mean, I, I'm probably not, not yeah. the right guy to right. ask, honestly. I mean, you know, those who know my writing, I, you know, I, I definitely do some periodic kind of straight reporting, but primarily the role that I've had in, in writing and cycling has been commentary and opinion and humor, and so... Yeah, I yeah. I don't give a crap how many yeah. clicks it clicks it gets. Now that's you know, but that's a 
personal opinion as you know, I'm I'm not I'm not in the position of having to. No, no, I'm not going to ask you to speak to, to her anymore. No, no, I'm, not, I'm just saying, you know, in in my in my position, I mean, I'm I'm a regular columnist for the magazine, but I don't I don't run the magazine. I'm you know my total livelihood is not linked yeah. to how many clicks this or that get. So. Um, you know, it's a it's a good a good question about the cycling media generally. I I really am proud though to be connected to the the yeah. Vela team though. I mean, I think um, I'm not some of the best. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking like as a whole. As a whole, is there is it just bound to become like uh, uh, an Us Weekly? You know? Yeah. Well, it may be too. It's easier to, to read. It's easier to write. That's you get more yeah. views. You know, the, you know, the sad truth is it's what, I think it's probably what a lot of people are interested in. You know, I mean, it's, clicks are a, are a reflection of what people want to, yeah, want to read and, and don't want to read. I've, I've been really pleased, though, in my association with, with that group that I, I can tell you for certain I've never been asked to yeah. write something, you know, because it's going to generate, you know, traffic. I mean, it's a... I think there's a lot of really thoughtful commentary coming out of that site, and, yeah. and some really strong writing. So, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I'm hopeful though that we're gonna. I mean, God knows we gotta, we gotta move on to whatever's gonna be next. I mean, I, I'm hopeful with Cookson coming in at the UCI that something's gonna happen here. And they're, a lot of pros and cons to it, but I, I just know. Um, yeah, I know that sometimes it's it's better to be the critic than the guy in charge. Yeah, it's better to be that guy. You can point out things. Definitely. I just to go back to the the clicks thing one quick. quick. I know people like sometimes want to read certain things. They're used to it. They have an appetite for it, and you get the most amount of viewership that way. But uh, I was I was talking to Patrick O'Grady the other day, and we brought it up, and he was he agreed that it was just like. Being successful doesn't mean it's good. It's not one and the same. Right. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, we uh, Neil, Neil Brown and I do this Tour Chats show that you've been on a couple, yeah. of, couple of times. And, you know, one of, the, one of the things I think, you know, women's cycling, for example, doesn't generate a lot of attention clicks-wise, in part because nobody knows anything about it. There's, you know, they're, when, they're, when there's no coverage, it's sort of as a self-fulfilling sort of, sort yeah. of thing. So... You know, I've been really pleased in the context of that show to be able to just introduce. You know, we've we've had really, I think, most all of the most prominent women cyclists in America, at least on that yeah. on that show, and it's been it's been rewarding just to see people even online on Twitter or something just connect to those people in new ways that you know just to give give their stories exposure. It's a smart, yeah, neat group of women that are they're usually they're usually educated they are established women no offense Mike but they're they're, you know I mean I I think in part because they have no yeah you know they don't have the 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 salaries are even later in life they've already gone through I mean it's a it's a smart group of group of people Jade Wilcoxon is a You know, as a kind of PhD physical yeah. therapist, and you know, Megan Garnier is uh, what was she, the probabilistic risk assessment for right. nuclear power. Right. I, mean, I don't even know what that means. Abby Stevens, um, yeah, every, you know, and they're successful on, on Wall Street. So, I mean, they've got incredible yeah. stories. It's a great, great group and a smart group of people. And so, that's you know, kind of a personal. Crusade too. That yeah, I mean that show. That, uh, you know, that show doesn't it doesn't generate any income for us. It's just it's something we Neil and I have done just kind of out of the love of the love of the sport and enjoying yeah. talking to those people. But um, do you fight? Uh, so if you know you have a guest like you guys have had like Hamilton on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Papp or some other well, guys you've had them on is there is it kind of like a you're like 
you get like maybe from Megan Gagne you get like a much more genuine like no agenda type person mm. is it kind of like depressing to see the number difference in that like um you know, honestly, because because we're not we're not generating income from it, we're not. I mean, I, honestly, I don't even. I I do know from the you know from the times that we have um, the the tracking we have done of downloads for that show. Um, you know, it's routinely in the thousands, and yeah. um, you know, mostly from subsequent podcast downloads. But yeah. you know, people like you know, you get a Vauders or Tyler Hamilton or Betsy Andreo on the show. What about the or, one where I showed my butt? The one where you showed your butt. I, 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 I'm not sure anybody wanted to watch that one again. I don't know if it got any repeat you know viewings. I, I think you're wrong on that. <laughs> I think you're wrong. I think possibly any future ad revenue that is going to be. become because of that. Because of that? Then, does it count as full nudity? If, like, technically I was fully nude. I didn't show the front it was, bits. It was shielded. Thank God. This is what made you jealous, dude. I mean... <laughs> I just think, but I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the most downloaded frequently, like repetitive. It might well be. You could, you could see when they get tracked. You all like, want to see Creed's butt? Yeah, from like eleven o'clock. I did ask Ted King for permission to do that. I, he was about to go on. I said, "Hey Ted, do you mind if I stand in the back with my pants down?" And he, he, he didn't think that I would actually do it. <laughs> and, I guess in an effort to make Ted's thing about me, I made sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know, some some people definitely generate more attention than others. But yeah. What was the most uh, surprising guess that you got the okay from? You're like, really, we're getting this guy? Hmm. Think about that. You know, we had. We had Betsy Andreu on at a time that she hadn't, sort of right before all of this broke. You know, Betsy is on uh, talking all over the place. You know, is on Anderson Cooper every other night. It seems like now, but um, that was a an interesting one to to me. But we, you know, we've had uh, had a lot of you know, with a, with a couple of exceptions. We've had kind of the. In particular, among American cyclists, we've really had kind of the, the who's who. Yeah. Uh, Is there anybody you haven't got yet that you're just you keep reaching out to? Um, I'm trying to think. But, you know, the the trick with that show that is different from, you know, what you're doing here in terms of kind of recording these in person is that you know, we've, we've tried to we've tried to do something kind of live and yeah you make a presentation so, of it yeah. and so the you know the the downside of that has been that when we broadcast it you know we do it at like nine o'clock on a sunday night in the east which pretty much precludes getting anyone who's over in europe ever um, yeah. you know we've had a couple of real troopers who have agreed to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and come on the show, but generally speaking, I mean, there's a lot of the kind of pro-European peloton that I'd love to get on that show, and we've, you know, we've been lucky when they're, a good number of them come to the States for one reason or another, Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can get them when when they're in the country, but, um, you know, that's been the biggest obstacle, and, you know, I mean, I think that the really prominent American names that we haven't at this point had on that, on that show are, you know, have been those who have been involved in the recent decision, and I think have had some reason maybe not to yeah. want to have a lot of candid internet chats. Yeah. I think it's a scary thing live. It is. I think, you know, I think people have, um, it's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, this is, yeah. what you're doing with people here is a lot more in-depth and candid. Yeah. Just because of the, not only the more intimate nature of you actually taking the time to sit down with people, but because you know, I mean, you you are a you are a different interviewer than I am, in the sense that I, you know I'm I'm a journalist and I'm a longtime fan and a longtime follower of the sport. But you, I mean, you you've ridden with these people. You you know you've stayed in hotel rooms with these people. I mean, you you know them well, and um, so it's a different kind of people. People needn't be 
they, they ought to be a whole hell of a lot more scared to be on, on with you than on <laughs> no, answering, no, no. answering viewer questions no, and what you uh, Neil cats, out there. And cats and zombies or whatever. Oh, thank you. You're doing okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah you finished or are you still lunching? Oh, I'm done. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, so um, as our as our food is taken away, yeah. I have to ask you about the. Uh, I, I've noticed that eating is a theme in your uh, in your podcasts, or in part because people have done it over meals like we have. But yeah, I'm I've been I've been kind of fascinated to hear the extent to which it sounds as though eating disorders are a part of the, yeah, part yeah. of this work. No, uh, how, how prevalent is that? I, I, I would say at least, at least half, yeah, hmm. at least half. You know, it's funny. I think I mentioned it on the last podcast too. So, do this is that people will mention me like, oh, hopefully we don't hear about this again. Oh, Creed's talking about this again, and you know, it's been back or eating disorder. Oh, the, the, the yeah, eating yeah. the theme comments has come themes. up on yeah, a couple yeah. of different. Yeah, and it's funny because. You want to just like kind of scream at people, like you know, well, we're not all in the same room, you know, like these conversations are one-off, unique conversations, and we're bonding over the same thing. Um, anyway, it's a mild annoyance aside, but um, yeah, I think it's pretty. I mean, because it's a power-to-weight sport. Yeah. But it's just funny with guys because like the eating disorder is not a masculine thing. Right. Right. So it's it's uh it's not a uh, it's not a, uh, yeah I guess it's not a thing like to be like I think it was really cool and, like when Maria Mar Abbott and Dante Bausch came forward yeah. with it and like I think that was really brave but you know you don't have many guys doing it because it's not perceived as a because it, it I guess because it, it it has a vanity context and culture right in culture but it's yeah. but in, but in sport, sport no it's, it's, it's completely different yeah so it's like you don't want to come off being perceived as vain because like right it's really not about appearances much no as I don't about, care about yeah, my appearances yeah. but obviously yeah obviously <laughs> but I don't uh, no there was very much a like I. I enjoyed the feeling of being hungry. Like, that's how much I trained myself. Yeah. Like, now I get hungry and I can't imagine staying hungry. I'm like, I don't know how I used to do this, but before, when I was hungry, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is where I'm at. I'm in the zone right now. Like, I, didn't, I wouldn't stop training until I felt hungry. Whereas now, when I get hungry, I'm like, dude, I gotta stop. I'm gonna double damage myself. All these stories about I'm gonna go and eat, eat spinach or whatever. And... Oh yeah, no, like I got, I got like a crazy. My eating disorder was that I would eat food and then I would spit it back up. I wouldn't puke it up. I couldn't, I couldn't really like. Just so wouldn't, I, wouldn't swallow. I wouldn't kind of get the food. Get like, the so I would eat, like I put gummy bears in my mouth and just like gnaw on them for a while and then just spit them back in like in the trash can or something. I still find myself doing that like every now and then. Yeah. I just almost have it, but then you kind of catch yourself like this is ridiculous. Like this is, I look like a. a real moron but then you kind of yeah let it go I think it's pretty prevalent though. I can attest that you did need a salad no no salad and I've definitely increased my uh, alcohol intake no notice that you got got marijuana card so that helps <laughs> that helps with the food consumption you got that you got that big chocolate cake uh, hunk in front of you <laughs> I'm only going to eat half of it, bro. Mm. This is all I'm going to do. Well, shoot, thanks for doing the podcast with me. Yeah, let's go. Appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to Open Mic. Lasers. Explosion. Part of the Creed Cycling Network. Rough.